Today is based in Luke chapter 2, and we will read the familiar Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 in verse 1. This is also going to be the uh, Christmas story part 2, our response, which is very important. What God did was what we talked about last week, and this week we're going to talk about what we need to do. And uh, so we have Luke chapter 2. And we begin in verse number, uh, make sure I got it, verse number one. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And may the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today and we'll read more uh, later. So we look at Luke chapter two. Luke was written by a man named Luke. We call him Dr. Luke because he was a physician. He was trained as a doctor and they actually had training and education. They were very smart people. If you think that the people in those days weren't smart, try reading some of their textbooks. Try, try to read what they had to say about life, and you'll realize these were not dumb people. They were very smart. And he was a believer because of the influence of the Apostle Paul. He writes in this uh, a history of the birth of Jesus, and notice that the very first verse of chapter 2, he says that, it came to pass that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Now, Caesar Augustus was, uh, actually his, his real name was Octavian. Octavian uh, was uh, uh, the nephew, uh, uh, maybe even the great nephew, but he was the nephew of Julius Caesar. And when Julius Caesar died because of assassination, then he inherited Caesar's uh, wealth and position although Caesar didn't have all that much wealth, he had some, but Caesar was not an emperor. And Octavian formed what was called the second triumvirate with 
Lepidus, and Mark Antony. Mark Antony had been the right-hand man for Julius Caesar back in his wars. So you have these three ruling. After a while, though, uh, things started falling apart. The rule by these three turned into uh, the rule by two because Lepidus uh, fell from grace or lost his job. And then later, Mark Antony got entwined with Cleopatra. And this caused great problems between Cleopatra and Rome. And as a result, Octavian had the Roman Senate declare war on Cleopatra. And in that war, Mark Antony fought to help Cleopatra. It was a civil war, and eventually uh, Octavian won at the Battle of Actium. And in three or four years after this, uh, Octavian was announced to be Augustus, his new name, and to be emperor. And so the first emperor of Rome was Octavian. And he, he adopted the name Augustus. Uh, his, his adopted father, Julius Caesar, had uh, enough uh, humility to name a whole month after himself. He named the month of July after himself. But Julius Caesar did not think that July was as good as the other months, and he wanted his month to be like every other month that was prominent. So it only had 30 days. So he added a day to July and borrowed it from February, giving February 29 days. So guess when Octavian came to, came to power, he gave himself the name or received the name Augustus and our exalted one. And so he named a month after himself. We know it as August. And the same thing happened with him. It was only 30 days. So he took another day out of February and that's why February has 28 days instead of 30 days. And so we have the month of August. But more importantly than just the calendar is that God was in control of the events on that calendar because God brought to power a very obscure person named Octavian. And if you had to pass a test today upon entrance and you had not heard anything I said, I would say a high percentage of people would not have known what Augustus Caesar's name was. And that's fine. But God raised him up because he was intended to make a tax. And this tax happened when a man named Quirinius was the governor of Cilicia. And right at the time when Jesus was born, or right before then, he, they, the Romans annexed Syria. And so, and then following this years later, Quirinius also served a second term as the uh, governor of Syria, a region by, uh, which was ruled by Rome. So Quirinius said that we, they needed to go tax. Now it's unlikely that they did this in the winter because the people in Israel had to go to their family seat to be, and that means that a lot of people had to travel. So you would not have had everybody traveling in the winter. It wasn't practical. Uh, they didn't have the modern conveniences. So it would have been probably in the fall on something like October. So we don't know the actual birthday of Jesus. We adopted December 25th. Now, uh, so they go to their own city. Now, in those days, to go to their own city would have meant that Joseph, since he was from the tribe of Judah, he would have to go to the, the seat, 
we call a county seat, but for them it was the tribal seat, the city of David, known as Bethlehem. Bethlehem has a wonderful history. In Bethlehem, for instance, uh, that was where Jacob buried his wife, Rachel, and her tomb is still there to this day. It was also a place where a man named Boaz uh, met Ruth and got married, and Boaz was a great-grandfather of, you said it, or you guessed it, King David. So David grew up in Bethlehem. It's also interesting that the name Bethlehem means house of bread, and Jesus called himself the bread of life. How uh, appropriate that the bread of life would be born in the house of bread. Uh, but in our story, we read about Bethlehem because so many people were going there to be taxed, and Joseph and Mary go there as well. It says they go up to Bethlehem because Bethlehem is in the hill country in the south, and Nazareth is in the north. So it's not quite as high, so you had to go up the hills to get when you went south. So most of the time we say go south, it means go down south, but uh, that's directionally, but they didn't look at it this way. They looked at it topographically. So you look, you go up, and they went uphill even though they were going south. It's kind of like uh, when you look at the Nile River, it flows from south to north, and, and yet it, it flows from the upper Nile, which is down south, and the to the lower Nile, which is up north. So that gets confusing. And if you are dyslexic like I am about many things, you uh, will obviously not understand what I just said. Uh, so we have here that they go, and, uh, and because Dave, uh, David was the family ancestor of both Mary and Joseph through different uh, uh, children, uh, it says here that he had to be registered in verse 5 with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. She was going to have a baby. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. In verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And I found out one scholar said that swaddling clothes were there to protect a newborn baby because their bones were so uh, fragile and they could be, uh, they could actually grow uh, crooked or if you didn't protect them, they might sleep on them the, uh, the wrong way. Sort of like uh, my mom said she made a mistake with me because you know how the skull of a, of a baby, you have to turn the child. She didn't turn me as much as she should. That's why my back of my head's flat. So I got a flat back of the head, she said. I laid down on my, my back when I was uh, a baby. But they would wrap the, sort of like a mummy, they'd wrap these swaddling clothes around the baby's arms and legs so that the child would be uh, protected, like a splint sort of, so that they would grow uh, in the first weeks uh, to be strong and straight. So a very interesting way of looking at things, which if you think about it, I used to just think swaddling clothes were just you know, wrapped him in a blanket or something, but this had a particular, it would have meant a newborn. And uh, so when the shepherds come along, they're going to know, oh, that is obviously a newborn. And they laid him in a manger. This is a feeding trough. Uh, it would have probably been a stone feeding trough. We don't know. 
but uh, it's very likely. Some people have suggested that the, the barn area that they used was actually a cave. It doesn't matter, but uh, it was an area where they had to stay because they had to have shelter because even if it was fall, it still would have been cold at night because you can imagine in the night it would have, you needed shelter. And so Jesus was born in a very humble uh, situation. Because there was no room for them in the end, they just didn't. They, they were at full capacity. That little, that little town of Bethlehem could not house all the people that were going there to be taxed. Now, then the Lord switches to a different scene. He goes to the fields. Now, the shepherds were often considered outcasts. They were not considered uh, among the upper class of people. And it's ironic, isn't it, that the, the angels go to the lowest class of person that, that, that are called the shepherds. But it's, it's not uh, unusual if you think about it because they're in the fields. Uh, this also is a clue as to why, where they were because if it had been winter, they wouldn't have been in those fields outside Bethlehem. They would have been maybe somewhere else. So that's why we think it might have been in the autumn. But they... Uh, I think it's uh, very interesting that that they could have been in the very same fields that Ruth gleaned the sheaves when she moved back to Bethlehem after her husband had died and she ended up meeting Boaz. I think that would be a very poetic thing. We'll find out in heaven if the fields they were or with the sheep were the same fields that uh, we find in the book of Ruth. Or perhaps they are the same fields that David was was with the sheep whenever he got called to become king. And he was the youngest son, by the way, uh, of Jesse, but he was from Bethlehem. But David was a shepherd as well. So here they are, the country, they were out in the country, the shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Not a, not a nice job to stay up all night watching sheep. I can, you probably have shifts, but still wouldn't be easy to do. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. Uh, we don't uh, think here that the angel was in the sky. This angel stood before them, so probably he's on the ground. But he leaves a great impression because the glory of the Lord shone around them and they didn't have, the only artificial light they had in those days was fire. So they didn't have electric lights. They didn't have spotlights. And here you have this amazing angel person, an angel, standing in front of them. And it, he has this bright light and it would have been dark. So they are afraid. It says they were greatly afraid, meaning with great fear. And they were shaking in their boots if they had any boots. But like many times in the Bible, when angels show up, and especially with a good message, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And that's a common message from God. Do not be afraid. That's a Christmas message. Do not be afraid. Now, we had some bad weather here, and uh, I'm afraid that my pipes have sprung a leak. Uh, maybe they didn't, but that's not great fear. That's a workable fear. But their fear was a real fear. And if it if you ever encounter an angel in his glory because the angel is bringing back the fragrance of God's throne and, and that very holiness of that angel will intimidate you. There was a, a man who was known to be cheap 
he went to a store to buy uh, some perfume for his wife, reluctantly, for Christmas. So the, he says, I need to buy some perfume for my wife. The lady says, well, this bottle is a great gift for your wife. And he says, well, how much is it? She says, it's $150. Oh, that's too expensive. You got something less expensive. So he does it again, and she says, well, here's a bottle for $50, and it's appropriate as well. And he says, no, I, I, that's, that's still too much. So she brings a sampler for $10 to him, and, she, and he says, you don't understand. I need to see something that is very cheap. So she hands him a mirror to look at. <laughs> The Lord, he has not been cheap with us. He gave us his best. He gave us his best, and Jesus is our, our greatest gift that we were to receive. And, of course, the Holy Spirit uh, confirms Jesus in our hearts. So here's the good news. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good news of great joy, which will be to all people, meaning available for all people. Now, for people who reject Jesus, that's very sad. But it's available for all people. You and I qualify because that Greek word all means in English, all. <laughs> same word. I mean, it means the same thing. So all is all. And it's good news that Jesus was born. He came into the world, and yet his own received him not. But it does say here, that it's good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, which of course is Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So he's a Savior, meaning he saves us from our sins. And he saves us from all other problems too, by the way. He's going to give us eternal life. He saves us from every sickness, every worry, every financial problem. I mean, literally every stress in your life, he literally is a savior from all those things because all those things that trouble you will only trouble you for a little while. But he'll give you heaven and all those past stresses, all these things we struggle with in life, they're gonna be gone. He's gonna save us eternally, not just from our sins, but from all problems and difficulties and hardships that would uh, that are part of a fallen world. Who is he? He's called Christ. The word Christ means anointed one or the Messiah. He's the king, and he's the Lord because he's in charge, and he is in, he in charge. I like the song that says, Jesus Christ, Lord at thy birth. So he was Lord even at his birth. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Of course, I explained that earlier. So that's going to be something they're going to look for. And they probably know where all the barns are or where all the stables are. So they're going to go looking. And guess what? If I was to do go through Hardeman County, how long would it take me to go through every barn and find a baby in a manger? Well, not for them. They didn't have the star. They, they are just told to look for it. The, the wise men will see the star later. So they don't have this. All they have is to go look at the 
where the, the barn is, and they said, you'll find them wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Well, the lying in the manger is going to give them a clue. Well, when you find a barn with the baby in the feeding trough, that's going to be, going to be unusual. It was unusual then and unusual now. Now, joining this angel, it says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying. Now, when it says heavenly host, I'm assuming that they're probably floating in the air, flying, who knows? But they might not be. Maybe they're on the ground. We don't know. But there was a, they were heavenly, and they did make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, it doesn't say they were singing. It says they were praising God and glorifying God. But I would say that their glorifying God was much better than our singing. So it's okay to say, I guess, they were singing. But they did glory to God. They said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And they were uh, singing this as a great joy to us. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the angels said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord had made known to us. Now, I don't know who they left to watch the sheep or they just brought the sheep in. I don't know, but I don't think they cared because they said, we're not getting paid enough to watch the sheep if somebody has told us from heaven that the king is, has been born. We're going to go report to him first. He's our chief shepherd, and we need to report to Jesus first at Christmas and every day of the year. And they came with haste. They didn't waste any time. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, just like the angels said. But what did they do? They obeyed the vision. That was very important. They obeyed what God said. And notice that after they saw what the angel told them, they didn't stop there. They communicated it to other people. Verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they didn't keep silent about it, which is very awesome. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's another thing about Mary and this whole episode is that Mary kept this a secret. Uh, now, the devil wanted to kill Jesus. We know this. Next week, we'll talk about, hopefully, uh, about the wise men and the, the murder attempt of the children in Bethlehem. It was a, an attempt to kill Jesus, but Herod ends up killing a lot more children. But Jesus was threatened, and he was a real baby. He wasn't uh, somebody who was like Superman, that you, you hit him. He wasn't a man of steel. He was a man of flesh and blood. So he had to be protected. And God wanted people to protect him. So that's the reason later on they will leave and go to Egypt because God will warn them to take the baby. And, and, and But... But Mary kept these things secret herself. She didn't spread news about this. She didn't want to draw attention to herself because her job was to raise Jesus up and keep him safe. And she did that. And uh, when they moved back to Nazareth a few years later, nobody knows Jesus is the king and nobody expected the king to come from Nazareth. So that's why they were doubtful that Jesus 
the king would be born in Nazareth, which he wasn't. He was born in Bethlehem. And he would not have been born in Bethlehem had not God raised up an emperor, an obscure young man named Octavian to end up becoming emperor and cause the world to be taxed uh, decades later. And in verse 20, then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And I believe that today, if we think about it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We see about that here, he gave his son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's our job to believe. God's job to do it, our job to believe it. We don't have the stress of doing the job of paying for our sins. Jesus had that. Jesus was the only baby born for the purpose of dying. And he became a human being so that we could learn about how to live forever and ever and ever. The shepherds praised God and that we should praise God for all the things that God has done for us. And we should always be thankful to him because he has been so great. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, our response to you should be faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please you. And there are many things in life that cause us to complain, and I complain, many things that cause us to struggle. But Lord, please let me thank you and let us thank you today for sending Jesus into the world that we could have eternal life. Thank you for all that he did and all he did for us. And thank you for these shepherds who were faithful doing their job. And because of that, you recognize them. And thank you that Jesus was placed in a manger in a very humble situation, because that shows us that his birth was even more humble than our own. And yet he is so much higher than any of us. So we're not worthy to have this gift but we want to celebrate the birth of, our, of, our, of your Son and our Savior on this Christmas day. And may we respond with faith, believing you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, and amen. So today we are going to uh, have a, a hymn of invitation, and I believe it's going to be Go Tell It on the Mountain. And uh, at some point... Uh, let me make sure I have the words. I don't have it on the screen, but uh, I know I've got it. So let's 